are listening to a Commonwealth Bank of Australia Global Economic and Markets Research Podcast. This podcast provides general market-related information and is not intended to be an investment research report. The information contained in this podcast is based on previously published material, and before listening, you're advised to read the full Global Economic and Markets Research Disclaimers, which can be found at combankresearch.com.au. Welcome to the Global Economic and Markets Research Podcast. My name is Belinda Allen and I am a Senior Economist here at ComBank and today I've got our Head of Australian Economics, Gareth Ed. Gareth, hi, good to have you on. G'day Belinda, how are you? Good. So one of the, I think the topics for 2021, both globally and locally, has been inflation. Markets have generally been expecting inflation to pick up Official forecasters, central banks, probably playing down the inflation threat mm. a little bit more. We've taken the view that we think inflation could come a little bit earlier. Yep. That's generally been our view. We've been looking at the recent data to see if we're starting to see an inflation pulse come through. Kind of what, what's your, I guess, overview about what's happening at the moment? Yeah, look, it's a, it's a good point. So for a lot of the last 12 months, or and maybe particularly the last six months, mm. um, our point of differentiation between what the Reserve Bank thought on the economy and what we thought was largely we could talk about it from an activity perspective. Um, We had a much stronger profile for GDP than the Reserve Bank and we also expected the unemployment rate uh, in Australia to fall a lot quicker uh, than the Reserve Bank was expecting. Now uh, in May, uh, which is early May, and we we did a podcast on this, we we were talking about the fact that how the Reserve Bank had uh, really upwardly revised their forecast for GDP and downwardly revised their forecast for the unemployment rate, such that they looked very similar to ours. They, you, you would now say the Reserve Bank is sitting on the optimistic side of the fence in terms of how they see activity mm. in the economy going, but they still don't think that there's going to be much in the way of uh, either consumer inflation coming through uh, or wages growth coming through, despite the, that pretty material upward revision to their profile. So... That's where we differ with the Reserve Bank. Um, we think that we will see inflation start to lift um, over the next couple of years. Um, not, nothing too major, I should say, but, but something which challenges their forecasts and their 2024 at the earliest uh, forward guidance on the cash rate. And also we think that um, wages growth will come through a little bit earlier than, than they, they're forecasting as well. So in that context, um, we think it's pretty important now to look at the data uh, where possible through the inflation lens mm. And that's what we did last week, given there was quite a bit of uh, data out, um, mainly that related to the labour market, but anything related to the labour market has an inflationary aspect to it. It's interesting, like reading the RBA minutes from a week or so ago, they certainly think that given we haven't seen inflation and wages pressure for some time, we might see some inertia Mm. in some moves to that. So I think your point about looking at the data to see what's happening is obviously really crucial. Mm. Now, when you looked at the wages data that came out uh, for the first quarter, what was the sense there? Are we starting to see any early signs of wages pressure coming through? Yeah, so, so we got out, uh, we saw the ABS last week put out the um, Q1 uh, 21 wage price index and it's worth remembering that, that wage outcomes, actual outcomes are a lagging indicator. Um, but what we found out was that wages growth in Australia uh, as measured by the WPI increased by 0.6% uh, over the first quarter of this year, which was a little bit stronger than the market expectations, which were looking for 0.5%. Mm. And I think importantly, uh, relative to what the Reserve Bank had forecast, 
uh, it came in stronger than what their, impl- their, their profile Im- implies. And just to expand on that, uh, the Reserve Bank in their May Statement of Monetary Policy forecast that wages growth, uh, annual wages growth would be 1.5% uh, as at the June quarter. And if we're going to see that outcome, then we would need wages growth of just 0.2%. Uh, in Q2. Which is low. Yeah, which is very low and it, uh, it it looks at odds with the last couple of quarters of wages growth, which we think if you kind of make a few adjustments for what a slight change in seasonality to, to do with the Fair Work Commission's decision and how that's sort of impacting award wages, if you just sort of look through that and look at the underlying pulse of wages growth, it looks to us like it's running more like 2%. So a 0.2% outcome look, look, looks at odds. So we, we think the Reserve Bank uh, will once again have to upwardly revise their profile for wages growth in the August Statement of Monetary Policy. Now, they'll, they'll be reluctant to revise it up too much, but I think, once again, it will probably just be a an admission uh, that things are actually travelling in a direction that they ultimately want, I, sh- yeah. I should add, yes. but they're actually travelling in, in that direction uh, a little bit earlier than, than they're anticipating. So it's good news, uh, but it does, you know, make it a little bit harder for them to continue to talk about the 2024 at the earliest forward guidance on the cash rate. You know, if indeed these wage outcomes start to come in stronger than they're forecasting. The Labor Force survey for April, if you look at the headline numbers, we did see employment fall by 31,000, but that's not really the overall story, though. Mm. We continue to see the unemployment rate fall down to 5.5% in April, and in fact, underemployment continues to fall as well. So we have, I think, over the course of the last six months, seen a very very strong conditions in the labour market. What what are you looking at when you're looking at that labour force survey at the moment and how that impacts your thinking on wages and inflation? Yeah, so the the April uh, labour force survey was an interesting one. It was one of those ones where they people say, well, there's something in it for yeah, everybody. <laughs> um, occasionally we get an employment report where the number of people employed falls, yeah. but the unemployment rate also falls. Yeah. And, and so what actually happens there is uh, the part rates dropped and it means that the number of people who are unemployed has actually declined despite the fact that employment fell. Mm. So uh, there's always a risk with these monthly labour force numbers that you get the numbers and then you sort of try and tell a story based on the numbers uh, retrospectively and there's a lot of volatility in these numbers uh, month to month. But it, if I was to make a story based on how the numbers dropped, bearing in mind that JobKeeper expired yes. at the end of March, yes. what I think that April Labor Force survey was telling us was that um, some people did lose their jobs or were, were stood down at the expi- through the expiry of JobKeeper, but didn't actually shift the dial in terms of unemployment. Mm. Uh, a lot of those people probably... Um, have now taken a, a month or two off because if you think about it, if you're receiving JobKeeper at the end of March, you, you must have been receiving it for the for the previous 12 months, yes. which means you may not have had a holiday. Uh, so it might be the case that you were stood down, but you're aware that there's a lot of jobs out there. And I mean, the job vacancy series are incredibly strong mm. at the moment. Um, you might not feel like taking another job straight away and therefore you've exited the labour force and you're not considered unemployed. And in fact, if you looked at the trend in unemployment, that's actually still been declining. And our internal data, uh, which is more timely and, and goes to the middle of May, that suggests that the number of people or the number of CBA customers receiving Job Seeker has been on a trend decline right through the expiry of Job Keeper. Uh, through to where we are now in the middle of May. So I then think the key sort of numbers, if you like, in that that survey for April were around uh, unemployment 
and also around under underemployment, as you mentioned. And look, the unemployment rate fell uh, down to five and a half percent. And you know, in a really positive development, the underemployment rate actually ticked down to its lowest level since mid 2014. Mm -hmm. So what it really means is that the labour market is tightening uh, pretty quickly. There is a pretty strong relationship between underutilisation and wages. And, and for those that don't know what an underutilisation is, it's the sum of the unemployment rate and the underemployment rate. And it's the broadest measure of labour market slack. So yeah, the way we're interpreting uh, these sort of outcomes is, is that you know, things are definitely heading in the right mm. direction. They're heading in the in, in the at a pretty good pace as well, and that will ultimately bode well for wage outcomes in the future. Now, the forward-looking indicators of labour labour demand are strong. I guess there's no beating around the bush about that. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. I mean, that they are they are red hot, yeah. really. Yeah. So, whatever way we look at it, based on uh, the skill level, based on the industry, uh, you've written here vacancies are at the highest level. For in over 12 years, according to the Internet Vacancy Index, which collates a few mm. different uh, measures together. Combine that with borders being closed, it really suggests to us that we may see that wages pressure emerge earlier. Yeah, that, that, that's exactly right. I mean, the, the we, we had last week out the Internet Vacancy Index, uh, which is a monthly series, which is a, a government-based one, looking at job vacancies in the economy. And they split it a variety of ways. You get it by state you get it by skill level and you get it by industry. And it doesn't matter which way you cut up the data, it's all suggest telling us the same thing, mm. which is that there are a lot of jobs uh, out there at the moment across a whole range of skills, across a whole range of industries and across a whole range of jurisdictions. And that really bodes well for the labour market. And it's probably worth saying um, it's, it's not just that um, IVI job vacancy series yeah. that's telling us that. You can take your pick, really, from a, a range of um, official ones. You've also got the ABS job vacancies. You've got the ANZ monthly job advertisements. You've got hiring intentions in uh, in the NAB business survey. You've got the PMI's employment component. I mean, it doesn't really yeah. matter which, which one you pick. Uh, it's all suggesting the same thing, which is that there are plenty of jobs mm. out there. Uh, having a lot of vacancies means that workers should have a better chance of pushing for higher wages, either with their current employer or if they change jobs. Bargaining power is in their favour. That's right. And it's something that we've not seen uh, basically since the end of the mining boom. Um, you know, we, we were used to pretty low wage outcomes in Australia, but we didn't have this sort of backdrop yeah. of high vacancies. And I think you mentioned the international borders closed. I mean, they're still going to, on current uh, assumptions, be closed until the middle of next year, yeah. more than 12 months away. So that, that gives, I think... Um, you know, a real opportunity for this wages story to um, to start to gain some traction. And certainly the data that we're looking at suggests that that's more likely than not. Now, the final piece of data, which I particularly uh, like at the moment in terms of helping to explain the inflation story, is the market flash PMI, mm. so Purchases Managers Index. Now, they produce, it's a survey, it's they track what businesses are saying about both input prices and output prices. What is that survey telling us? Look, the, yeah, these business surveys are, are really handy because um, when you think about it, we only get inflation, official inflation uh, updates once a quarter, whereas we get you know, high frequency measures from um, you know, market in, mm. their, in their flash PMIs around what's happening in terms of the private economy uh, around input prices and then output prices. And 
Yeah, I think this survey, to be fair, only only dates back to 2016, but it is part of a global suite of PMIs which have a much longer history. So they're pretty reliable gauges there. And, and what you know, that data is telling us is that input prices have surged um, you know, really significantly in the last six months. And, and that's what a lot of businesses have been telling us when we're, when we're out on the road seeing our clients. But what I think is that the more recent mm. development is that output prices are starting to increase too. And so what that suggests is that firms, um, yeah, they probably took on board a, a hit to margins for a little while, but now, you know, in order to retain margins, they're actually starting to um, feed through some of that lift in input prices to output prices. So what that means from an inflationary perspective is that um, things are starting to move in that direction where inflation should start to li- lift a little bit. It's slightly complicated with how we see this play out in then, then in the CPI because you've got government subsidies yes. and grants and a, and a range of other things which are actually suppressing the prices that show up in the CPI but not the prices that businesses are actually charging, which is what the PMIs are, mm. are measuring. So could be some short-term disparity between what the CPI shows in the next quarter or two and what the PMIs are suggesting. But I think if you kind of step back from any issues around timing and, and what government decisions are having in the short term on, on uh, measures of prices in the economy, then it does suggest that actually inflation is starting to lift. It's, it's modest at the moment, but it's definitely lifting in a way, I think, that, um, that the central bank's profile for inflation isn't capturing. All eyes will be on the July board meeting now. Yes, it's, it's a very big one. We, we've got one board meeting worth saying um, between now and then, so the June board meeting. And we also have a, a crucial speech, or what yes. could be a crucial speech, by Governor Philip Lowe in the middle of June. But look, you know, markets are focused on basically two things right now as far as the RBA goes. What do they do with yield curve control? Mm. Do they go to the November 24 bond or keep it pegged to the April? We think they keep it pegged to the April bond and you know, based on where the November 24 bond is yielding at the mm. moment, that's what the market thinks yep. as well. Then the other ones around their QE pro- program, uh, we think they're going to do more. I think the market expects them to do more, but we're not exactly sure you know, what that's going to look like. We've, we've got penciled in there uh, another $50 billion over six months, which would represent a tapering but still a very significant uh, amount of bond purchases if that's what they end up committing to. Gareth, it's been great to get your insights on what is some of the actual data in the economy telling us about inflation at the moment? Good to chat as always. Now, you can read Gareth Ed's report on a closer look at the domestic data this week through the inflation lens, which was published on the 21st of May 2021 on combankresearch.com.au. 